Welcome to Reach, your platform to connect with other executive assistants and acquire game-changing knowledge and perspective. Reach is designed to inspire your workday, guide you through pivotal moments in your career, and transform you into the executive assistant you've always wanted to be. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Reach. This is Jessica Van, founder and CEO of Maven Recruiting Group, and I will be speaking with Ellie Dunn this afternoon. Welcome, Ellie. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you. Likewise, we're really, really excited to welcome you to the program. So a little bit about Ellie. Ellie is the executive assistant to the head of security at Stripe which for those who don't know, uh, is the most valuable private company in Silicon Valley, valued currently at $95 billion. Since Stripe is a payment platform, security is obviously their number one priority, which makes Ellie's executive one of the busiest executives within the company. Prior to this role at Stripe, Ellie was one of two EAs who supported the office of the CEO at Pinterest for two and a half years. And prior to Pinterest, Ellie was the EA to the CTO and co-founder of Zenefits for three years. Those are some impressive logos, Ellie. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so needless to say, Ellie knows what it means to support at the top, which makes her the perfect guest to tackle today's topic, which is how to make decisions on behalf of your executive in the absence of information and communication, I think these are two things that many, many, many of our listeners will identify with and I'm sure have wrestled with at times. So in this episode, Ellie will be sharing all of her tips for how to gather the context that you need in order to confidently make decisions on your executive's behalf and what that really looks like in practice. Perhaps your executive is the kind of person who never has the time to get you up to speed, or maybe they lack you know, a, a particular communication style to provide you with details and, and content, or maybe you're just working from home and that has made gathering information that much more difficult um, or getting answers that much more difficult. Regardless of what the reason is, having this skill set is a really important one in your toolkit and something that also takes time to master. So we're excited to connect with Ellie, who knows clearly how to do this well, and um, we'll be sharing her thoughts. To get us started, we all know that there are these executives who you know, have the best of intentions, right? They wanna be accessible, they wanna be available to their EAs, and then there's those who are just straight up unreasonable and unresponsive. I also think that the pace of business doesn't always allow for every critical decision to be vetted, right? Sometimes you just, you know, whatever the MO is of your executive, sooner or later, as an EA, you're going to be put in a position where you have to make a judgment call or a critical decision. And that's going to involve some element of risk and some element of putting yourself out there. And I think too, like the ability of an EA to exercise sound decision making and judgment is one of an EA's critical skills and superpowers. So how do you, Ellie, as an EA, evaluate what those risks are and decide what the appropriate level of exposure is 
when it's time to make that kind of a judgment call or, or put your own stake in the ground. Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, breathe. (laughs) I think we kind of forget when we're in these stressful situations, like how important a breath is. You know, I'm not a yoga teacher, but I I just have really tapped into that lately, right? Like it's really important to, when you're in a stressful situation, like take time to breathe and give yourself time to think. Um, You know, specifically when I've found myself in this type of situation, I like to think back on a specific scenario where my executive had to make a similar situation, had to make a similar decision, right? And then how did he get to that conclusion? What were some outside factors that motivated him to act a certain way? And what are his current priorities? And how would that affect his decision making process? Also, you know, really tapping into your network. Is there someone that you could reach out to maybe on his leadership team, a cross-functional partner, who can help you get more context when you're in this situation. You know, making decisions for an executive is going to be stressful, excuse me, no matter how closely connected you two are. Um, But in order to gain more competence in this area, I actually recommend a few best practices, and I kind of listed them out. Um, Mm -hmm. And the first one is holding your one-on-one sacred. But I'm the kind of person where I was getting into this bad habit of really just giving up my one-on-one time in order for them to have, you know, some working time back or maybe, you know, giving them time to prioritize another meeting. But I found myself like really getting set back in my day-to-day because I wasn't having those weekly meetings. And just to give you some context, you know, I actually started working at Stripe during COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't have the luxury of like, being in the office and, you know, building that relationship with my executive where we were having those hallway conversations or able to sit next to each other. So our 30-minute weekly one-on-ones were so important for us in order to build, you know, a trusting relationship. So I do really recommend like holding true to those. Those are very sacred and that's your time with your executive in order for you to be able to build, you know, a deeper working relationship. Um, And it's also a great forum to have like these, you know, specific scenario conversations, right? Like you are able to really understand like what's going on, what their priorities are, what the company priorities are. So for example, like if your executive is going out of office and, you know, you know, the company is knee deep in calibration planning and the deadline is coming up um, the week that your executive is out. You know, you can even ask him like, hey, this might come up. You're going to be out of office. And if they need to hear from you or you need to join a meeting, how do you want me to handle that? Mm -hmm. Um, How can I help you? How can I come to a decision for you and, you know, make sure that you're not thrown into things, you know, last minute or while you're out? So it's a great forum to have those types of conversations. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I think that that's very useful, particularly when you know and have advanced notice that they're going to be out of pocket or out of communication and you can, you know, anticipate these are the decisions that that may surface or the situations that may surface while you're away. How should I go ahead and respond if this were to occur? Uh, I, I love that when it's when it's like a planned and known absence. I guess I'm curious when it's unplanned and it's more impromptu. And, you know, there's things that are just kind of coming at you. And we all know this, like being an EA is oftentimes like being in the battlefield, drinking from the fire hose, like whatever metaphor you you most identify with it, you know, it's incoming, right? Like it's often incoming. 
And so I guess my, my, my question to you is like, how do you really evaluate, you know, like when is it appropriate to say, okay, my boss is unreachable. Um, I don't know exactly, you know, what the, the planned response is here. I, I can't reach my boss. They're unavailable. I've got to make a call. It's an urgent situation and I'm just going to, 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 to do it. Right. Like yeah. what is kind of that tipping point for you? And, and how do you, how do you apply your business knowledge and acumen in those moments to say, okay, this is a situation where I absolutely need to make a call independently versus like, when do you punt that and, and, and not, you know, not take on that responsibility? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, it really just depends on the situation, but if it's something that feels like too controversial or something I just don't feel comfortable maybe making decision on behalf of my executive. You know, I like to maybe like think about it and then really, if I'm able to, depending on the situation, hopefully it's not too confidential, you know, really lean on the relationships that you've built within your executive's team. You know, whether that be like their leadership team, their cross-functional partners, maybe like an HR business partner is an awesome person to lean on. Um, you know, really being able to build those relationships. And if you if you need to get more context, usually those are great people to reach out to as well. Or even like a trusted other EA that you have within the company that can help guide you maybe with a you know, similar situation that they've had. But yeah, I mean, I do think it does take time, right? Like you need <laughs> some historical knowledge on how the businesses run, right? And you need to have worked with your executive for, you know, not a long amount of time by any means, but like have built some, you know, connection and trust with your executive in order to really feel confident to make these decisions. But I think, you know, tapping into relationships and um, is really important and, you know, making sure that you're getting that time with your executive um, is really important as well. And I, I really, you know, want to preface that while there is a lot of time or a lot of situations where you're not going to have, not going to be able to get in touch with them, right? But like a lot of the time you should be able to communicate with your executive in an undisruptive way. You know, there's so many forms of communication that are outside of like a one-on-one or an email, right? What does that look like? Is that Slack? Is that Google Hangout? If you were to ever need to reach them urgently, like you, you two should have that discussion about what that looks like. Um, so yeah, just being open, um, you know, using your historical knowledge, tapping into your relationships um, and coming up with a communication plan with your executive, I think will really help you um, mm-hmm. in situations. But yeah, it, it takes time to build kind of that um, that confidence in order to make those decisions. Are there any examples that come to mind of, you know, I, I think there's obviously there's different level of of stakes, right? Like, yeah, sometimes the stakes are relatively minimal. It's, you know, a lunch order, or it's a <laughs> we need to plan the catering for the, you know, whatever, all hands meeting something that, you know, the consequences are relatively minimal either way. But there also can be situations where, you know, it's a, I don't know, it could be any number of things. It's a, it's a board member. It's a high profile customer situation. It's a fundraising situation. It's a a security breach. I mean, it could be any number of things, right? Like what, are there any examples that come to mind of situations 
where you've had to um, draw on any of those um, skills or resources that you recommend and that, that you could share with our listeners? One that comes to mind that still kind of gets my heart rate up. <laughs> when I think about it. Um, breathe, Ellie. Don't I forget. Know, breathe. Don't forget step one. <laughs> exactly. Um, was when my executive was pulled in to, you know, present at a company all hands. I think about a half hour before the all hands was going to happen, um, and it was on a subject that he wasn't super comfortable with. You know, I think he had done one previous. Um, presentation before and to a much, much smaller group on a much smaller scale. So, you know, understanding that, you know, he was kind of in a high pressure situation, right? And like, how could I kind of get in front of that and help him help alleviate some of the stress that, you know, he was navigating. So I, I went ahead and I, you know, located the presentation and talk track that he used for the previous meeting tailored it to be more appropriate for a company all hands, you know, got that over to him in 10 minutes without him having to like ask or, you know, really think about it, was able to just get in front of that and help him be successful within that high pressure moment. It ended up going really well, but, you know, it's just being able to be like resourceful and anticipate the needs of your executive, um, you know, and, and being confident that you can help them and alleviate stress when they're in these types of situations. So you, you touched on this a little bit, but maybe you could elaborate about um, kind of drawing upon resources, right? So your, yeah. your executive is MIA. They're either not communicating with you because that's their MO, they're just a poor communicator, or your, your executive is on a plane for the next, you know, whatever, 10 hours and unreachable and something mission critical is happening. Um, what's the battle plan at that point? And, you know, what, what do you do um, to reach out and avail yourself of other resources um, and other people or, or sources of information that might help you? Like, can you give us some examples of who you might draw on and, or, you know, who you've leaned on in moments like that in your career to get the job done? Yeah, I mean, my executives leadership team, I think they are such a wonderful resource for you, right? They interact with your executive, you know, probably, you know, on a day to day basis, if not weekly. Um, So they're they're really great people to align yourselves with, right? And they're constantly asking things of your executive as well. So it's a very different relationship, but it's also very similar. Um, So I love to, you know, meet with them, you know, semi-regularly, like not not to overdo it, but like definitely build a relationship with them. And they're great partners to work with. And when you need context or you need more information and your executive is not necessarily giving you like the full detail. Um, so I definitely recommend leaning on them. And I, I, I do that a lot, um, you know, personally, and it's, it's always worked out. <laughs> it's a mutual, mm-hmm. mutually beneficial relationship. I also love HR business partners. They have a very similar role to what we have, right? They're kind of in the weeds, but also not. They have a very different scope. Um, so I think meeting with them, you know, I meet with my HR business partner on a monthly basis. And it's just, I always leave that meeting feeling like really like it was such a good meeting. I'm so happy that we 
you know, are hold each other accountable to connecting because there's so much that we can get done for my executive. Um, so yeah, I think building relationships is just really important. So when you find yourself in these types of situations where you're kind of scrambling, your, your executive is not reachable. There are other people that you can lean on and, um, you know, executive assistants are also incredible partners. I've been really lucky where I've worked at companies where we have a really great AVP community, um, you know, with, 15, 20 plus other EAs. And we, we really make a point to connect with each other and like information share. Um, so definitely, you know, lean into that network network more likely than not. They've had similar situations that they'd really be able to help you out with. But yeah, I think building relationships within the company, um, you know, especially the leadership team and your executives, ex- cross-functional business partners is, is huge. And it's only going to, you know, help you in the long run. Yeah, I think that's really sound advice. And I think it's also um, just a good best practice in general, regardless of whether your executive is available or unavailable. Yes. You know, your job, as you know, (laughs) is to protect their time. And so if there's other ways of getting at the information other than encroaching upon them, then that's really your job, right? Um, Yeah. But I'm curious, like you mentioned going to the ELT team and, you know, HR business partners and and your EA community, like what do those meetings typically look like? Or what do you, what is typically your agenda? Like, for instance, like if we took the ELT team as an example, how do you typically approach those conversations in terms of extracting information that will help you be more of an effective partner to your executive? So I always like to come with an agenda and usually, you know, it's kind of based on (laughs) what's going on in the company at that time, what initiatives we're trying to get done, what, what are the top priorities for the team. So I always come in with, you know, something, questions, topics that I think would be helpful for the both of us. Like, for example, you know, we're going through a lot of H1 planning right now. Like, what does that look like? The teams have to come to the leadership team and present their plans. How can we make sure that they're well prepared? The teams are well prepared to come into those meetings and they have all the information that they need. So those are conversations that I'm currently having. So it's it's really based on where the business is at the moment and what's going on within the team. Um, but definitely coming prepared and then asking these questions like, you know, how how is it going working, you know, with the executive? Is there any blockers, anything that I can help, you know, make the relationship in a better state? What do you need? How can I, you know, really, how can I just help you (laughs) You work better with, um, you know, with my executive? So I think it's great to have those conversations and build the trust within the team. Um, you know, and I'm looking forward to when we have an office again, because it's easier to just have those, you know, like two, three minute conversations without having to like, you know, have a 15 or 30 minute zoom to get the answers that you need, but still be able to build that relationship. But I, I, I do think it's so important to do that. Yeah, I love that. And that's, I mean, that's the part that you mentioned about it's, it really is mutually beneficial to everybody that they're gaining from, from, you know, getting on your radar, um, and and kind of putting their agenda on your on your radar, just as you are gaining by putting you know your your agenda on their radar and really leveraging them to help you understand the bigger picture and you know and what's going on. So it is in ultimately everybody's best interest. In light of kind of being scrappy, right? Um, is there an example that comes to mind when you made a judgment call? 
that wasn't explicitly authorized or, you know, wasn't necessarily cleared by your executive. Um, you know, whether it was a good or bad one, um, bad is always interesting, but (laughs) good is good too. Um, but curious, like if there's something that comes to mind and how that, how that worked out and kind of what was the learning there? Yeah, absolutely. So I remember when, um, you know, I started working with one of my new executives and he gave me the action item of planning our quarterly all hands. I was like, perfect done these before, you know, have a rubric that I followed that that had been really successful, like, you know, not going to switch gears here, just kind of kind of go with what I know. You know, so I totally handled like all the logistical process of, you know, planning the quarterly all hands, he gave me kind of like an outline of what he wanted in terms of agenda topics. And I really just ran with it. And I like assigned stakeholders, I had a dry run, I you know, created a presentation. Basically, all I wanted him to do was like show up and speak to like the slides that we assigned for him. So I remember meeting with him like maybe like a week and a half before or all hands and I kind of just ran through everything. And he was like, well, I had a completely different idea of how I wanted this meeting orchestrated. And I think we really need Mm. to change some things. So, you know, it was just a classic example of me really wanting to like alleviate him for, from any of any more work than he needed to do. And I kind of went back to like what had worked in the past without really reconfirming with him that this is what he wanted. So it was definitely a very defeating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I learned a lot. You know, I think any time you maybe make the wrong call, um, you know, as long as your intentions are right, um, you know, your executive understands and it's a good learning experience. So, you know, it was a lot of work that had to be undone mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of people were not super happy with me, but, you know, at the end of the day, it went <laughs> off really well. We got it in a good place and yeah, it was definitely a learning experience, right? What works well for one executive and one team is not going to work always for the other. Totally. And, and in terms of your, your takeaway there, and by the way, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate when people can, you know, I I think we, we have on our program such accomplished people, you know, you certainly being a representative of that, of that ilk, right. Of like, you know, really accomplished and, and, um, uh, assistance in their field and, and leaders in their field. But I think it's so powerful when people are also willing to say like, you know, this, this was where I goofed and this is, you know, a takeaway that I, that I'm, that I'm taking from that. Right. Um, so thank you for, for offering that. Um, and I'm curious, like in terms of how you moved forward from that, did you then, do you do like, um, how do you how do you how do you work differently with this particular executive in light of that experience? You know, I appreciated the feedback, and I think at the end of the day, when you are in these kind of uh, situations, it does kind of make you closer, right? You are able to understand like how they like things to be done, and you're kind of opening. Um, you know, your relationship to being a little bit vulnerable, right? Like I'd made a mistake, but I, I in turn made it right. And so we built that trust, right? Like, even though I didn't necessarily hit the mark, I was able to redo things, you know, um, have a good attitude about it and really turn it around. So that 
and light built some trust between us. And like I said, it was a new executive at the time. So it, it definitely kind of moved the needle for us to build a trusting relationship where, you know, feedback is not only, you know, not only for him, but for me. Right. So mm-hmm. and it, it ended up being a, a definite positive. This particular skill set, right, of of making judgment calls and kind of rolling with things and um, and and being independent and autonomous in your role, clearly that takes time, experience, confidence to master that. At what point in your own career as an EA do you feel like you were able to feel confident and feel the kind of self-possession and assurance that it takes to, to do things like make decisions on your own. Yeah. And I think, you know, the unpopular answer here is that it does take a little bit of time, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but, but I think, you know, once you start working with an executive and you kind of build, you know, this working relationship and have this good energy um, you'll start to notice a shift, right. And it's not something that happens overnight, like I mentioned, but You'll, you'll notice that you'll be taking on more responsibility, which in turn gives you like a little bit more visibility. Um, so, and I, and I think, you know, like I said, that comes with time, but it's also comes with like a proven track record, right? So, you know, being reliable, doing things that you say you will do, um, getting requests and tasks completed in a timely manner, having your executive know that you really care about his leadership team and you know, having those relationships with his finance partner, HRBP, um, you know, if he sees you putting that effort in, that's going to build trust. Um, and also, you know, raising your hand for things that are maybe outside of your realm when you have the bandwidth, I think is really important too. you know, just willing to be like a team player and, and do your part to make the, the team or the organization or the company more efficient. So I think all of those things, will, you know, in turn, build more trust um, and help you build that relationship with your executive where, you know, you can potentially, you know, be an extension of them and and feel comfortable making these maybe unnerving (laughs) calls Mm -hmm. for them at times. Yeah. Well, and you're also racking up, you know, as you suggested, you're also racking up your own kind of um, whatever you want to call it, karma points or whatever, where it's like, they can, they've seen that you've delivered and performed consistently. You've racked up a certain level of esteem for yourself and, and a reputation. And, and so I think that helps to kind of like buffer you and gives you a little bit more cushion when you do need to step out and, you know, make these kinds of calls. Um, Even if there is a little bit of risk involved in that, I think that if there is, kind of general consensus and buy-in and you've you've amassed a good reputation, then people generally will respect your judgment, right? Absolutely. Um, but I totally hear you on the, it's kind of the unpopular, uh, unpopular position, which is that, you know, confidence is, is really accrued, you know, and, and I'm talking about internal confidence. Like there's, there's the confidence in you as a professional, which is external, but then there's your own internal confidence. And I feel like, I mean, realistically, both of them are accrued over time, but I, I do feel like if we're talking about that internal confidence and conviction of just feeling like, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I stand by this decision. I, I have, you know, 
a reasonable defense for how I got to this decision based upon, you know, whatever, my business knowledge, my history with this person, my history with this organization, whatever the case may be. Um, but it, 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 it does take time. And I think that it's a matter of putting in the reps, you know, it's like, yeah. you don't get super toned arms by like doing like one or two reps, right? Like you've got to like <laughs> do multiple reps yeah. and, and, <laughs> and uh, show up multiple times and, and be consistent about it. And I think that's just the, the hard truth of it is that confidence comes from being in situations and trying things and seeing that it worked and or didn't work. Um, and you just kind of amass like there's like a swell, you know, that kind of like like, you know, emerges in you that says like, OK, cool. Now I, I feel that I have the conviction to to move forward, you know? Yeah. Um, and it'd be lovely if we were all born into that and like had that day one. But I think that it, for most people, it it's, it's collected over time, you know? Absolutely. And I think a lot of executive assistants know more than they think they do, right? Mm. It's kind of this like imposter syndrome that we place on ourselves at times. And, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people <laughs> experience this, not just executive assistants, but you as an EA have such a interesting view into the company, into the or into your specific organization. And you really do know more than you think you know. And I think a lot of really successful EAs that I've worked with just have this like amazing ability to be able to read the room or are really able to tap into their like emotional intelligence. And I think it's been harder in our, you know, post COVID world with being on Zoom and trying to observe people and read the room, but it but it can be done. But I, I do think, you know, you you should trust your gut and you know tap into the knowledge that you have because you you know more than you think you do. Yeah, I love that. I think that is so that is so accurate. Uh, I think there's a lot of EAs that suffer from that imposter syndrome of like, why am I in this room? All of these yep. people are, you know blah, 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 blah. And they've run companies and this and that and whatever. And, and I don't, you know, but it's, again, it's like knowing your place. And I love the idea that you know more than you think you do. Like it kind of reminds me, I don't know why this is jumping into my head, but have you ever been in a foreign country where like, you don't really speak the language or like, you know, like a little bit, but you like really don't, you know, know enough. And somehow you just like by throwing yourself into it and you're like, okay, I'm in this situation. I'm going to have to draw upon my reserves. I'm going to have to forge ahead using whatever limited knowledge that I have, but I'm going to, I'm going to piece it all together. Um, and somehow you do. And and yeah. there's like a little bit of that imposter feeling of like, I'm not necessarily qualified for this moment, but somehow I have to get through it because things there's, there's stakes involved and I have to figure it out. And I think there's some some similarities to to that, you know, in terms of how you sometimes just have to plow ahead. What advice do you have for our listeners who maybe similarly, like they want to take the initiative, they want to get things done, they want to keep things moving, um, they don't want to feel like they're stuck or they're waiting around for information or for somebody to give them the green the green light. Well, or maybe even they're like, they're worried, right? Like they're worried that something is too risky of a situation or they're afraid of failing and they don't want to take that chance. So they just don't really take action. Like what is your advice to that, to that listener? 
Well, a couple things, you know, I do think back to kind of what we were just talking about is like, trust yourself. I do think, you know, with time, you will build that historical context that you have, you know, with the company that you're working for, with relationships that you've built and the executive that you support, right? You, you know a lot more than you think you do. And secondly, like have these conversations with your executive. If your goal is to like really be comfortable with making decisions for your executive, tell them that, right? Tell them that you want to be an extension of them and you want to be able to anticipate their needs and the decisions that they're going to make. Um, and I think you'd be surprised with how receptive they'll be to that. You know, at the end of the day, you're, you're, you know, trying to make them productive and save them time. And this is, you know, a great way to do that. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think communication is key. And, you know, maybe I've just been lucky, but I've worked with really very different executives in my career, um, but they've all been very receptive to my goals and me, you know, wanting to make them as most produ- as productive as they can be and having that open line of communication and being able to give each other feedback and providing a safe space for that. So I, I think it's really just, you know, having these conversations and you- you'd be surprised how far that will get you. Mm-hmm. And what about for the person that's just afraid of the failure? I mean, what, or making, making a misstep? I mean, it kind of goes back to the experience that I shared where I felt like I failed. Mm-hmm. I'd learned so much, right? So I, and I think with any situation where you go and you feel like you fa- you failed in some way, like you, you end up learning from that. So, you know, maybe fail. And then that opens up to have a conversation with your executive um, and you can get to a better place in your relate in your working relationship um, and, and grow closer with each other. And, you know, I think it just it gives opportunity. So don't be scared. <laughs> I know executives can be scary, especially if you're newer in your EA career. Right. You, you just kind of want to like you don't want to rock the boat. You want to be a good partner. You don't want to cause too much stress or like raise your hand too much or flag anything. But I'm telling you, like, as you get more comfortable you, I definitely recommend like maybe being a little bit more um, outspoken. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I agree with you. And I also think too, that as long as there's kind of a, a justifiable reason for the actions that you took, right? Like if you're demonstrating good decision-making, if you're demonstrating, you know, um, a thought, a level of thoughtfulness um, and good judgment, and you're not just kind of acting in a, you know, kind of cavalier and, and flippant and, you know, whatever, um, casual kind of a way. I think that as long as like, there's a reasonable case to substantiate why you did what you did, like, I, I feel like that would result maybe more in like a, this is a course correction conversation, and this is how you can be more successful next time as opposed to like a, oh my gosh, you know, um, this is atrocious and yep. we're ending your employment today kind of conversation, right? Absolutely. So maybe the fear of that failure is not quite, maybe the stakes aren't quite as heinous as somebody is thinking they are, provided that you're acting in good faith and you're exercising good decision-making and judgment, right? Absolutely. So final question for you, Ellie. Oh, yes. Yay. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm excited for this one. Okay, good. I'm excited for your answer. I don't know what it is. Um, okay. If you had the opportunity to support anyone in the world, 
Who would you choose and why? Okay, so I went back and forth with this one, but I actually kept coming back to Reese Witherspoon. <laughs> Ooh, we haven't had Reese. <laughs> really? Oh, God. I'm excited. No, um, okay. I feel like she's just super impressive, very dynamic. Um, you know, she also, I'd like to think, comes off like very sweet. So hopefully she's like that in real life. And I, I feel like she's just someone that I can learn a lot from. Well, that's a great answer. And um, you are a great guest. Thank you so much. Uh, thank, thank you for you. This, this great perspective. And um, for also just like having, as you shared, like those kind of career moments, um, the wins, as well as the learnings that that you've um, collected over the years. And, you know, clearly, like, being in the position that you're in, like that really, I think, hopefully gives a lot of people some reassurance that, you know, even being in the types of roles that you've been in, like there's still, you're still learning and you and, and you've had moments where you've had to course correct. And I think that that hopefully is um, a reassuring takeaway for a lot of people that are thinking about, you know, how they can move forward successfully through these types of things. Absolutely. I mean, the only constant that we have in our careers is like just to constantly be learning. I think, you know, I've always really worked for fast paced companies that, you know, have really aggressive goals. And, you know, at times it can feel overwhelming. But I think as long as you have a growth mindset, and you're always wanting to kind of learn new things and put yourself out there, you know, you're only going to get stronger. I agree. Well, Once again, thanks so much, Ellie. Thank you, Jessica. I had so much fun. Reach is brought to you by Maven Recruiting Group, who specializes in placing executive assistants and support staff to the Bay Area's most prominent executives and companies. If you've enjoyed being part of our podcast community and are interested in becoming part of our candidate community, we're currently hiring for roles in San Francisco, Silicon Valley, and Los Angeles. You can visit us at www mavenrec.com to see some of the roles we're currently working on and to submit your resume.